section fifty of a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one by george lilly craik chapter four part twenty six chapman webster middleton decker chuttle marston taylor turner rowley thomas haywood shakespeare died in sixteen sixteen the space of a quarter of a century or more over which his career as a writer for the stage extends is illustrated also by the names of a crowd of other dramatists many of them of very remarkable genius but shakespeare is distinguished from the greater number of his contemporaries nearly as much as he is from his immediate predecessors with regard to the latter it has been well observed by a critic of eminent justness and delicacy of taste that while they possessed great power over the passions had a deep insight into the darkest depths of human nature and were moreover in the highest sense of the word poets of that higher power of creation with which shakespeare was endowed and by which he was enabled to call up into vivid existence all the various characters of men and all the events of human life marlowe and his contemporaries had no great share so that their best dramas may be said to represent to us only gleams and shadowings of mind confused and hurried actions from which we are rather led to guess at the nature of the persons acting before us than instantaneously struck with a perfect knowledge of it and even amid their highest efforts with them the fictions of the drama are felt to be but faint semblances of reality if we seek for a poetical image a burst of passion a beautiful sentiment a trait of nature we seek not in vain in the works of our very oldest dramatists but none of the predecessors of shakespeare must be thought of along with him when he appears before us like prometheus moulding the figures of men and breathing into them the animation and all the passions of life the same proceeds this writer may be said of almost all his illustrious contemporaries few of them ever have conceived a consistent character and given a perfect drawing and colouring of it they have rarely indeed inspired us with such belief in the existence of their personages as we often feel towards those of shakespeare and which makes us actually unhappy unless we can fully understand everything about them so like are they to living men the plans of their dramas are irregular and confused their characters often wildly distorted and an air of imperfection and incompleteness hangs in general over the whole composition so that the attention is wearied out the interest flags and we rather hurry on than are hurried to the horrors of the final catastrophe in other words the generality of the dramatic writers who were contemporary with shakespeare still belong to the semi-barbarous school which subsisted before he began to write george chapman already mentioned as the translator of homer was born six or seven years before shakespeare but did not begin to write for the stage till about the year fifteen ninety five after which date he produced sixteen plays that have survived besides one in the composition of which he was assisted by ben jonson and marston and two others in which he and shirley joined one anonymous play 
the second maiden's tragedy printed for the first time in eighteen twenty four and five others that are lost have also been attributed to him all these pieces were probably produced before the year sixteen twenty although he lived till sixteen thirty four chapman's best known and probably also his best plays are his tragedy of bussy d'ambois reprinted in the third volume of dilke's old plays eighteen fourteen his comedy of monsieur d'alive in the same collection and his comedies of all fools the widow's tears and eastward ho the last the piece in which he was assisted by johnson and marston in dodsley's collection of all the english playwriters says lamb chapman perhaps approaches nearest to shakespeare in the descriptive and didactic in passages which are less purely dramatic dramatic imitation was not his talent he could not go out of himself as shakespeare could shift at pleasure to inform and animate other existences but in himself he had an eye to perceive and a soul to embrace all forms he was a great poet but his genius was essentially epic not dramatic webster middleton decker chettle marston robert taylor turner and rowley may also be reckoned among the dramatic writers of considerable note who were the contemporaries of shakespeare though most or all of them survived him and none of them began to write so early as he did john webster was parish clerk of st andrews holborn and a member of the merchant taylor's company of four dramatic pieces of which he is the sole author besides two comedies which he wrote in conjunction with rowley and other two in which he assisted decker his tragedies of the white devil and the duchess of malfi are the most celebrated the character of vittoria carambona the white devil is drawn with great spirit and the delineation of the duchess of malfi displays not only remarkable power and originality of imagination but a dramatic skill and judgment which perhaps no one of the other writers we have named along with webster has anywhere matched none of them has either so little extravagance or so much of the true terrific to move a horror skilfully says lamb to touch a soul to the quick to lay upon fear as much as it can bear to wean and weary a life till it is ready to drop and then step in with mortal instruments to take its last forfeit this only a webster can do writers of an inferior genius may upon horror's head horrors accumulate but they cannot do this webster seems to have been a slow writer which it may be presumed few of his contemporaries were in an advertisement prefixed to his white devil he says to those who report i was a long time in finishing this tragedy i confess i do not write with a goose quill winged with two feathers and if they will needs make it my fault i must answer them with that of euripides to alcestides a tragic writer alcestides objecting that euripides had only in three days composed three verses whereas himself had written three hundred thou tellst truth quoth he but here is the difference thine shall only be read for three days whereas mine shall continue three ages it will be seen from this passage that webster was not wanting in a due sense of his own merits he seems also to have had a sufficient contempt for the public taste of his day or at least for that of the ordinary audiences of the theatre where his piece had been brought out i have noted he says most of the people that come to that playhouse resemble those ignorant asses who visiting stationers shops their use is not to inquire for good books but new books 
and he adds should a man present to such an auditory the most sententious tragedy that ever was written observing all the critical laws as height of style and gravity of person enrich it with the sententious chorus and as it were enliven death in the passionate and weighty nunches yet after all this divine rapture the breath that comes from the uncapable multitude is able to poison it it is difficult to discern in all this the modesty which lamb so much praises neither does webster greatly shine as a critic of the performances of others in a subsequent paragraph of his advertisement or preface in which he gives us his opinion of some of his contemporaries i have ever he observes truly cherished my good opinion of other men's worthy labours especially of that full and heightened style of master chapman the laboured and understanding works of master johnson the no less worthy composures of the most worthy excellent master beaumont and master fletcher and lastly without wrong last to be named the right happy and copious industry of master shakespeare master decker master haywood all this may be frank enough as lamb calls it but it is certainly not very discriminating thomas middleton is the author in whole or in part of between twenty and thirty dramatic pieces his associates in those which he did not write entirely himself being decker rowley johnson fletcher and massinger one of his plays a comedy called the old law which he wrote in conjunction with rowley and which was afterwards improved by massinger appears to have been acted so early as fifteen ninety nine and another was published in sixteen o two the greater number of his pieces are comedies and compared with most of his contemporaries he has a good deal of comic talent but his most noted dramatic production is his tragi-comedy of the witch which remained in manuscript till a small impression of it was printed in seventeen seventy eight by isaac reed after it had been suggested by stevens that it had probably been written before macbeth and might have been the source from which shakespeare borrowed his witches in that play the commentators would have everything in shakespeare and everybody else to be borrowed or stolen they have the genius and the zeal of thief catchers in ferreting out and exposing all transferences among writers real and imaginary of thoughts words and syllables and in the present case as in many others their professional ardour seems to have made a great deal out of very little lamb in an admirable criticism has pointed out the essential differences between the witches of shakespeare and those of middleton from whose play however shakespeare appears to have taken a few lines of his incantations unless indeed which we think not improbable the verses in question were common popular rhymes preserved among the traditions of the nursery or the country fireside middleton's witches have little of the supernatural awfulness of shakespeare's their names and some of the properties as lamb observes which middleton has given to his hags excite smiles the weird sisters are serious things their presence cannot coexist with mirth but in a lesser degree the witches of middleton are fine creations their power too is in some measure over the mind they raise jars jealousies strifes like a thick scurfor life still another and lower species of witch the plain traditional old woman witch of our ancestors as lamb has called her poor deformed and ignorant the terror of villages herself amenable to a justice is the heroine of the tragi-comedy of the witch of edmonton the joint production of raleigh ford and decker thomas decker was the author of or a contributor to more than thirty plays in all nearly two-thirds of which however have perished 
he is not much high imagination but considerable liveliness of fancy and also no little power of pathos his best pieces are his comedies of old fortunatus and the honest whore and his spirited satyromastics the principal character in which horace jr is a humorous caricature of ben jonson who had previously ridiculed decker upon the stage in crispinus the hero of his satirical comedy of the poetaster decker is also supposed to be the author of the best parts of the very touching play of patient grisil which appeared in sixteen o three and which has been reprinted from a unique copy of that edition for the shakespeare society under the care of mr collier eighteen forty one it was written by him in conjunction with william houghton who is the author of several plays of little merit and henry chettle who was one of the most active and prolific dramatic writers of this time although of eight and thirty plays in which he is stated to have been more or less concerned only the present and three others have been preserved he has force as well as fertility but it is apt to run into rant and absurdity john marston is the author of eight plays and appears to have enjoyed in his own day a great reputation as a dramatist he is to be classed however with sackville and chapman as having more poetical than dramatic genius although he has given no proof of a creative imagination equal to what is displayed in the early poetry of the former and the best of chapman's is instinct with a diviner fire but he is nevertheless a very imposing declaimer in verse besides his plays marston published two volumes of poetry the second by which he is best known a collection of satires and three books entitled the scourge of villainy a set of very vigorous and animated juvenalian chants of robert taylor nothing is known except that he is the author of one play a comedy entitled the hog hath lost his pearl which was acted in sixteen thirteen and published the following year it is reprinted in dodsley's collection and mr lamb has extracted from it the most interesting scenes which however derive their interest rather from the force of the situation one that has been turned to better account in other hands than from anything very impressive in its treatment the merit of a perspicuous style is nearly all that can be awarded to this writer cyril turner is known as the author of two surviving dramas the revenger's tragedy and the atheist's tragedy besides a tragic comedy called the nobleman which is lost the revenger's tragedy in particular which is reprinted in dodsley's collection both in the development of character and the conduct of the action evinces a rare dramatic skill and the dialogue in parts is wonderfully fine natural and direct as that of real passion yet ennobled by the breathing thoughts and burning words of a poetic imagination by images and lines that plough into the memory and the heart william rowley whose cooperation with the witch of edmonton with decker and ford has been already noticed owes the greater part of his reputation to his having been taken into partnership in the composition of some of their pieces by middleton webster massinger and other writers more eminent than himself but he has also left us a tragedy and three comedies of his own he has his share of the cordial and straightforward manner of our old dramatists but not a great deal more that is of much value of the style of his comedy a judgment may be formed from the fact recorded by langbane that certain of the scenes of one of his pieces a shoemaker as a gentleman used to be commonly performed by the strolling actors at bartholomew and southwark fairs though he appears to have begun to write at least in association with others some ten years before the death of shakespeare rowley probably survived the middle of the century so also it is supposed did thomas haywood the most rapid and voluminous of english writers who appears to have written for the stage as early as fifteen ninety six but whose last published piece written in conjunction with rowley was not printed till sixteen fifty five haywood according to his own account in an address to the reader prefixed to his tragic comedy of the english traveller published in sixteen thirty three had then as he phrases it 
had either an entire hand or at least a main finger in the incredible number of two hundred and twenty dramatic productions true it is he adds that my plays are not exposed into the world in volumes to bear the title of works as others one reason is that many of them by shifting and change of companies have been negligently lost others of them are still retained in the hands of some actors who think it against their peculiar profit to have them come in print and a third that it never was any great ambition in me to be in this kind voluminously read besides his plays too haywood who was an actor and engaged in the practice of his profession for a great part of his life wrote numerous other works several of them large volumes in quarto and folio among them are a translation of Salust, a folio volume entitled the hierarchy of the blessed angels a general history of women and another work entitled nine books of various history concerning women a folio of between four and five hundred pages which in a latin note on the last page he tells us was all excogitated written and printed in seventeen weeks of his plays above twenty are still extant about a tithe of the prodigious litter two of them his tragedy of a woman killed with kindness and his historical play the four apprentices of london are in dodsley three more his tragi comedies of the english traveller the royal king and loyal subject and a challenge for beauty are in dilke's collection and about a dozen others have been reprinted for the shakespeare society lamb has very happily characterized haywood in a few words haywood is a sort of prose shakespeare his scenes are to the full as natural and affecting but we miss the poet that which in shakespeare always appears out and above the surface of the nature his plays however are for the greater part in verse which at least has eased a flow enough and he may be styled not only a prose shakespeare but a more poetical richardson if he is not quite the power of lillo in what has been called the domestic tragedy which is the species to which his best pieces belong he excels that modern dramatist both in facility and variety beaumont and fletcher but the names of the dramatic writers of the present period that hold rank the nearest to shakespeare still remain to be mentioned those of beaumont and fletcher must be regarded as indicating one poet rather than two for it is impossible to make anything of the contradictory accounts that have been handed down as to their respective shares in the plays published in their conjoint names and the plays themselves furnish no evidence that is more decisive the only ascertained facts relating to this point are the following that john fletcher was about ten years older than his friend francis beaumont the former having been born in fifteen seventy six the latter in fifteen eighty five that beaumont however so far as is known came first before the world as a writer of poetry his translation of the story of salmachus and hermaphroditus from the fourth book of ovid's metamorphosis having been published in sixteen o two when he was only in his seventeenth year that the mask of the inner temple and gray's inn consisting of only a few pages produced in sixteen twelve was written by beaumont alone that the pastoral drama of the faithful shepherdess is entirely fletcher's that the first published of the pieces which have been ascribed to the two associated together the comedy of the woman-hater appeared in sixteen o seven that beaumont died in march sixteen sixteen and that between that date and the death of fletcher in sixteen twenty five there were brought out as appears from the notebook of sir henry herbert deputy master of the revels at least eleven of the plays found in the collection of their works besides two others that were brought out in sixteen twenty six and two more that are lost deducting the fourteen pieces which thus appear certainly to belong to fletcher exclusively except that in one of them the maid in the mill he is said to have been assisted by raleigh 
there still remain thirty-seven or thirty-eight which it is possible they may have written together in the nine or ten years over which their poetical partnership is supposed to have extended eighteen of beaumont and fletcher's plays including the mask by the former and the pastoral by the latter were published separately before sixteen forty thirty-four more were first published together in a folio volume in sixteen forty seven and the whole were reprinted with the addition of a comedy supposed to have been lost the wild goose chase making a collection of fifty-three pieces in all in another folio in sixteen seventy nine beaumont and fletcher want altogether that white heat of passion by which shakespeare fuses all things into life and poetry at a touch often making a single brief utterance flash upon us a full though momentary view of a character which all that follows deepens and fixes and makes the more like to actual seeing with the eyes and hearing with the ears his was a deeper higher in every way more extended and compacious nature than theirs they want his profound meditative philosophy as much as they do his burning poetry neither have they avoided nearly to the same degree that he has done the degradation of their fine gold by the intermixture of baser metal they have given us all sorts of writing good bad and indifferent in abundance without referring in particular to what we now deem the indecency and licentiousness which pollutes all their plays but which strange to say seems not to have been looked upon in that light by anybody in their own age simply because it is usually wrapped in very transparent double entendre they might if judged by nearly one-half of all they have left us be held to belong to almost the lowest rank of our dramatist instead of to the highest there is scarcely one of their dramas that does not bear marks of haste and carelessness or of a blight in some part or other from the playhouse tastes or compliances to which they were wont too easily to give themselves up when the louder applause of the day and the town made them thoughtless of their truer fame but fortunately on the other hand in scarcely any of their pieces is the deformity thus occasioned more than partial the circumstances in which they wrote have somewhat debased the produce of their fine genius but their genius itself suffered nothing from the unworthy uses it was often put to it springs up again from the dust and mud as gay a creature of the element as ever soaring and singing at heaven's gate as if it had never touched the ground nothing can go beyond the flow and brilliancy of the dialogue of these writers and their happier scenes it is the richest stream of real conversation edged with the fire of poetry for the drama of beaumont and fletcher is as essentially poetical and imaginative though not in so high a style as that of shakespeare and they too even if they were not great dramatists would still be great poets much of their verse is among the sweetest in the language and many of the lyrical passages in particular with which their plays are interspersed have a diviner soul of song in them than almost any other compositions of the same class as dramatists they are far inferior to shakespeare not only as we have said in striking development and consistent preservation of character in other words in truth and force of conception but also both in the originality and the variety of their creations in that department they have confined themselves to a comparatively small number of broadly distinguished figures which they delineate in a dashing scene-painting fashion bringing out their peculiarities rather by force of situation and contrast with one another than by the form and aspect with which each individually looks forth and emerges from the canvas but all the resources of this inferior style of art they avail themselves of with the boldness of conscious power and with wonderful skill and effect their invention of plot and incident is fertile in the highest degree and in the conduct of a story for the mere purposes of the stage for keeping the attention of an audience awake and their expectations suspended throughout the whole course of the action they excel shakespeare 
who aiming at higher things and producing his more glowing pictures by fewer strokes is careless about the mere excitement of curiosity whereas they are tempted to linger as long as possible over every scene both for that end and because their proper method of evolving character and passion is by such delay and repetition of touch upon touch by reason principally of this difference the plays of beaumont and fletcher in the great days of the stage and so long as the state of public manners tolerated their license and grossness were much greater favourites than those of shakespeare in our theatres two of theirs dryden tells us were acted in his time for one of shakespeare's their intrigues their lively and florid but not subtle dialogue their strongly marked but somewhat exaggerated representations of character their exhibitions of passion apt to run a little into the melodramatic were more level to the general apprehension and were found to be more entertaining than his higher art and grander poetry beaumont and fletcher's might be inferred from what has already been said are upon the whole greater in comedy than in tragedy and they seem themselves to have felt that their genius led them more to the former for of their plays only ten are tragedies while their comedies amount to twenty-four or twenty-five the rest being what were then called tragic comedies in many of which however it is true the interest is in part at least of a tragic character although the story ends happily but on the other hand all their tragedies have also some comic passages and in regard to this matter indeed their plays may be generally described as consisting in the words of the prologue to one of them of passionate scenes mixed with no vulgar mirth undoubtedly taking them all in all they have left us the richest and most magnificent drama we possess after that of shakespeare the most instinct and alive both with the true dramatic spirit and with that of general poetic beauty and power the most brilliantly lighted up with wit and humour the freshest and most vivid as well as various picture of human manners and passions the truest mirror and at the same time the finest embellishment of nature johnson ben johnson was born in fifteen seventy four or two years before fletcher whom he survived twelve years dying in sixteen thirty seven he is supposed to have begun to write for the stage so early as fifteen ninety three but nothing that he produced attracted any attention till his comedy of every man in his humour was brought out at the rose theatre in fifteen ninety six this play greatly altered and improved was published in fifteen ninety eight and between that date and his death johnson produced above fifty more dramatic pieces in all of which tenor comedies three what he called comical satires only two tragedies and all the rest masks pageants or other court entertainments his two tragedies of sejanus and catiline are admitted on all hands to be nearly worthless and his fame rests almost entirely upon his first comedy his three subsequent comedies of alpony or the fox epicani or the silent woman and the alchemist his court mask and a pastoral entitled the sad shepherd which was left unfinished at his death ben jonson's comedies admit of no comparison with those of shakespeare or of beaumont and fletcher he belongs to another school his plays are professed attempts to revive in english the old classic roman drama and aim in their construction at a rigorous adherence to the models afforded by those of plautus and terence and seneca they are admirable for their elaborate art which is moreover informed by a power of strong conception of a decidedly original character they abound both in wit and eloquence which in some passages rises to the glow of poetry the figures of the scene stand out in high relief every one of them from the most important to the most insignificant being finished off at all points with the minutest care the dialogue carries on the action and is animated in many parts with the right dramatic reciprocation and the plot is in general contrived and evolved with the same learned skill and the same attention to details that are shown in all other particulars 
but the execution even where it is most brilliant is hard and angular nothing seems to flow naturally and freely the whole has an air of constraint and effort and exaggeration and the effect that is produced by the most arresting passages is the most undramatic that can be namely a greater sympathy with the performance as a work of art than as anything else it may be added that johnson's characters though vigorously delineated and though not perhaps absolutely false to nature are most of them rather of the class of her occasional excrescences or eccentricities than samples of any general humanity they are the oddities and perversions of a particular age or state of manners and have no universal truth or interest what is called the humour of johnson consists entirely in the exhibition of the more ludicrous kinds of these morbid aberrations like everything about him it has force and raciness enough but will be most relished by those who are most amused by dancing bears and other shows of that class it seldom or never makes the heart laugh like the humour of shakespeare which is indeed a quality of altogether another essence as a poet johnson is greatest in his masks and other court pageants the airy elegance of these compositions is a perfect contrast to the stern and rugged strength of his other works the lyrical parts of them especially have often a grace and sportiveness a flow as well as a finish the effect of which is very brilliant still even in these we want the dewy light and rich-coloured irradiation of the poetry of shakespeare and fletcher the lustre is pure and bright but at the same time cold and sharp like that of crystal in johnson's unfinished pastoral of the sad shepherd there is some picturesque description and more very harmonious verse and the best parts of it much of it is poor enough are perhaps in a higher style than anything else he has written but to compare it as has sometimes been done either as a poem or as a drama with the faithful shepherdess of fletcher seems to us to evince a deficiency of true feeling for the highest things equal to what would be shown by preferring as has also been done by some critics the humour of johnson to that of shakespeare fletcher's pastoral blasted as it is in some parts by fire not from heaven is still a green and leafy wilderness of poetical beauty johnson's deformed also by some brutality more elaborate than anything of the same sort in fletcher is at the best but a trim garden and had it been ever so happily finished would have been nothing more massinger ford after shakespeare beaumont and fletcher and johnson the next great name in our drama is that of philip massinger who was born in fifteen eighty four and is supposed to have begun to write for the stage soon after sixteen o six although his first published play his tragedy of the virgin martyr in which he was assisted by decker did not appear till sixteen twenty two of thirty-eight dramatic pieces which he is said to have written only eighteen have been preserved eight others were in the collection of mr warburton which his servant destroyed massinger like johnson had received a learned education and his classic reading has coloured his style and manner but he has scarcely so much originality of genius as johnson he is a very eloquent writer but has little power of high imagination or pathos and still less wit or comic power he could rise however to a vivid conception of a character moved by some single aim or passion and he has drawn some of the darker shades of villainy with great force his sir giles overreach in a new way to pay old debts and his luke in the city madam are perhaps his most successful delineations in this style in the conduct of his plots also he generally displays much skill in short all that can be reached by mere talent and warmth of susceptibility he has achieved but his province was to appropriate and decorate rather than to create john ford the author of about a dozen plays that have survived and one of whose pieces is known to have been acted so early as sixteen thirteen has one quality that of a deep pathos perhaps more nearly allied to high genius than any massinger has shown but the range of the latter in the delineation of action and passion is so much more extensive that we can hardly refuse to regard him as the greater dramatist 
ford's blank verse is not so imposing as massinger's but it has often a delicate beauty sometimes a warbling wildness and richness beyond anything in massinger's fuller swell End of section fifty